0: Welcome to the Doctor Who 1960s Retrospective, exploring episodes from 1965 to 1967, sit back on a journey of the past. Fasten your seatbelts as you visit the past and adventures in the caustic BBC long-running science fiction series of Doctor Who.
1: Welcome to a literary licensed podcast with thanks to Keith E. B. Chago and to the BBC Doctor Who. My name is Ramona Snitcher and I will be your host for this presentation. Please welcome our respective guest, Ian Britton Hull, who will share with us a bit about being Mr. Tom Baker's double on Doctor Who.
0: Yes, indeed. Indeed. Hello everyone. It's it's lovely to it's lovely to be here with you all. It's been many years, of course, since I was the doctor, but of course now we're we're here and we're talking about it, and I mean my the number of years that have gone past since those days. Now I won't continue to talk like Tom Baker all the way through the interview, but I will revert to my own voice and we shall merge it and bring my voice to the fore so that I can then start narrating my experiences, which I hope you're going to enjoy. Now in all true Doctor Who fashion, I'm now going to take you on a fascinating adventure. And this is something that I'm sure many of you, many of you would wish would happen to you. And I was lucky enough for it to happen to me. Because when I was a young Doctor Who fan, not only was I a fan like all the rest of us, watching the program effortlessly, collecting the memorabilia, but something happened to me that shot me into the world, and I became the alternate fourth doctor for the BBC. Now, so we'll go back, right back to the very beginning where I just said I was a Doctor Who fan. And the in England in those days, well, I think they still do, they had the Doctor Who, yes, Ramona would like to ask a question.
1: Right. So can you give us a little bit of a backstory of what you did before yeah. and while becoming the double for Mr. Baker, Dr. Who? Yeah,
0: yeah indeed. So that, I'm going to explain all that and tell you all that detail now. So young, young Ian Britton Howell went off to London. It was one of the first Dr. Hooper, it wasn't the first one, but it was one of the first ones and i went to london to this doctor who convention and i had on my scarf my coat and everything else you see and of course in those days my hair was curly and dark and everything else and and i was talking to a chap who was uh selling target books the target novelizations of the stories i was talking to this chap in an empty room there was no one else about anyway he was fascinated by what, what i was talking about anyway I said, well, I'm off. I'm going to go and see some other exhibits and chat to some people, whatever. And so I went out of the room. And as I got to the door, the doors opened. And about six blokes all came in with cameras around their neck, you see, and passed me and went to speak to this chap. Anyway, this chap suddenly called me back. And he said, Ian, could you come back a minute, please? I said, yeah. He said, these gentlemen are from the national press, and they would like to take some pictures. Well, I'd like to take, have them take some pictures with you, with Tom, with Tom Baker when he comes. It turns out this chap was Tom Baker's publicity agent, and he wanted me to be in the newspapers with Tom, you see. Well, of course, as you can imagine, wow, I'm going to be in the newspapers with Tom Baker. You was know, fantastic for, for, for a Doctor Who fan. And before Tom arrived, they said, would you come down and have some other pictures? We, we would like you to have some other pictures downstairs before, before Tom arrives. So I said, "Yes, yeah, sure. So we get in a lift, and it's all very quiet. And we went down, these six gentlemen and myself, and the door of the lift opened. And the foyer was packed, and it was like paparazzi. Anyway, so we went out into the foyer. And there was a chap there called Matt Irvin. Now, Matt was the guy that used to control canine, and he used to do other special effects on Doctor Who as well. And they said, we want you to do some pictures with canine. So I said, affirmative. And so I went across to the dog, and they said, well, he crouched down and looked into his eyes, you see, but his head was down. So I just put my hand under his chin and went, and lifted his head up and there was this crack crunch of gears you see so matt, matt Irvin said, ian you do realize that that dog is worth about five thousand pounds anyway as it was it was a joke there was nothing wrong no harm done and i then had my pictures taken with canine and then tom julie arrived and yeah it was you know just as it was tom's talking to people i'm talking to people another interesting thing another one person that was at the photo shoot not in the photos but i got to say hello and a few words with was heather hartnell william hartnell's wife which was uh which was rather nice anyway so so subsequently all the press are taking the pictures of tom and myself and we're interacting with each other and so on and so forth and of course the reason that they did this photo shoot was because the publicity chat picked up on the fact the resemblance between me to tom baker's doctor who so of course following that i'm a few few days later i'm in all the the english national newspapers my picture with tom baker and so on and so forth and it was great and then by chance i had a chat with somebody from a company called bbc enterprises bbc enterprises is now bbc worldwide but it was BBC called BBC Enterprises then, and BBC Enterprises was a chap called Lorne Martin who used to be in charge of 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 that. And he, by chance, they said they were they had several Doctor Who exhibitions at the time. They had one at Blackpool, they had one at Longleat, and they were doing a lot of promotion for not just the exhibitions but obviously for the programme too, right across the country. So some somebody came up with this idea, wouldn't it be great if we got Ian to be the doctor for these publicity places? So that, so the exhibitions and any other, uh, those, those two exhibitions, by the way, the Blackpool one and the Longleat one were, I'm sure you all know, were permanent. They were permanent exhibitions, but ones popped up temporary all over the place. So I found myself going from, one place to the other, initially, being the doctor, meeting the public, and of course that's why you know I learned to do the voice and I even <laughs> don't tell any don't tell anyone, don't tell Tom, but I even learned to to forge a signature <laughs> oh, and the reason for that was because obviously there was some time we never said we never said that I am Tom Baker, we said i the doctor but Within that, there's a couple of little anecdotes that I'll share with you on that side of it. One, I remember, I think I I was at one of these places, I think. I can't remember where Blackpool may be. And a coach load, a coach load of handicapped young people turned up. They were coming to visit, you see. So me being me, I thought somebody said there's a coach load of these disabled young people come Come coming to see the exhibition, so I thought, right, I'll go and meet them, you know. So I went outside, and well, whew, I was swarmed, swarmed by them. And they were, and it was so nice because they were they were cuddling me and holding me, and you know, and and, and the fact was, they did think I was the doctor, the Tom Baker doctor. And you suddenly goes through your mind, what do I do? Do I say no, I'm not, and disappoint them? or do i let them believe their fantasy well dr who's about believing in fantasy isn't it now i never said that i'm tom baker but they called me mr baker and they said can you have can i have your autograph one of them said so of course i signed the autograph you know cordially yours tom baker because i felt it was important to keep that person's dream it was i didn't i was not a, i was a dream maker i wasn't a dream destroyer and so for that reason, that's why on those sort of occasions, I would do it. I didn't do it, you know, constantly it was silly, but I mean, I mean, obviously there were some people that knew that I wasn't him, obviously, but in those moments, a young child or, or or such like. So I started doing, so that's where I started doing a lot of this stuff, being, being the doctor and then, and then it started to get bigger. Now. I as you probably might gather I'm an actor and I've gone on and done a lot of other things, but I've always had this idea for being big. I'm never a small person. I've got to make things big. So I said, well, look, this is all great. And we've got, you know, we've, we BBC look, you've got some, you've got costumes standing on mannequins behind screens and then you've got a couple of Daleks running around on a electronic track. I said, why don't we increase this? Why don't we have, well, why don't we get, why don't we get people to some, put some of these costumes on? They said, well, who are we going to get? We've got to pay people. I said, no, we don't. I said, well, I said, why don't we use Doctor Who fans? They'd love it. Love it. <laughs> so, so every so of them, you know, you, especially weekends, you know, there'd be lots of Doctor Who fans flocking to these events. And I'd got to them and I'd say, hello, would you like to be a Cyberman? And of course they say, yeah. <laughs> so we get them in the back, shove them in a Cyberman costume or a Zygon or whatever, whatever costume it was. And and then, of course, they'd we, we all they go walking around, too. Now, it's funny, actually, because a, a picture emerged on Facebook just recently, I saw, of a Cyberman smoking a cigarette. And that was one of our lot that was one of ours that was I, I don't know I couldn't I couldn't tell you who is in the cyberman but I do remember the guy distinctly because I remember him saying I I, I want to stay in here for another hour but I'm desperate for fire <laughs> so we poked the cigarette through the little slot in the in the, in the, in the mask and uh, so then that's where that photograph has uh, come from it's quite funny to see that anyway so then we started getting more and more people involved and another thing we had another chap come along And this chap came along and he said, uh, he said, he said, he's only a young lad. And he said, do you mind if I take some master uh, plaster casts of the, the exhibits, like a Cyberman helmet and such like Said "Ah, no problem at all. You know, if you want to do that, fine. As long as you don't damage it, you know, fine. so this guy used to come down and really take a plaster cast of a Cyberman or whatever other helmet that it might've been or whatever. This guy, uh, no, his name escapes me. For a moment, but he went on to be one of the founders of the company that makes the Daleks and K nine and the fiberglass police boxes that you can buy in England. This planet, that's it. This planet, uh, Toby. That's the guy's name, Toby. Toby. And so that was great because that's how he then started by just taking the plaster casts from the from the uh from the, from the from the from the models. Yes, Ramona.
1: We have a question submitted from our one of our peak gallery. And he asks, this is uh, from Kevin Bush, can you remember that several actors, most notably Terry Walsh, rest in peace, also filled in for Tom Baker as well. So he asks if he, Ian, ever saw those performances and asked to compare and contrast his own performances with others
0: yeah uh terry terry walsh and there was also another one that was a good friend of mine i think he's also i can't even remember his name now it's awful he played i know he played agador in curse of paladin and uh, monster of paladin brian hobbs something hobbs let's just come to me hobbs now I never met Terry Walsh. Now, just on that, which is a very interesting point. Now, those guys were the stunt people. And stump men usually they they don't necessarily in real life look much like the, the 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 actor that they're portraying. And so they go into a lot of heavy makeup. I've actually, not Doctor Who, but on other television programs. I remember a program I one of the soap operas we have in here in England, and I was on that one day, and this guy were supposed to fall into a river and drown or something, and 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 you know, I was on the, on, on the location doing this, and this chap, the actor, you know, because I obviously knew him, I'd been working with him, and and then suddenly from somewhere that he disappeared, and the stump man appeared, and I didn't know the difference. It was incredible the makeup that they'd done on this chap to make him look exactly like him. So really, what what we were talking about with Terry Walsh, Terry and there was another chap, I can't remember his name now either, but they, they would do the stunt work. And invariably, it's in a particular camera angle where you can't really see. And I think, yeah, I seem to remember there was the, the inv- what is it, the android invasion with Stigron. That's it, isn't it? And there is the two, doctor who fights himself, and, and I actually, I think that might be Terry. You know, don't, don't quote me on that. You check that, but I think it might be. And he's got an awful wig on. There's a, he's got this really terrible wig and you can see it at the back because his hair sticks out like a dandelion. I, I remember that. I remember that, 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 that would that be quite fun. But so, so, so therefore, when you've got a, the stump people working on a particular shot, it's because obviously the character has got to fall down a cliff or. Although Tom Baker did it on Dartmoor and broke his collarbone, didn't he? <laughs> that was intentional, not intentional. That was just an accident. Anyway, I'm diversing now. So. So the stuntmen didn't actually do any acting. Funnily enough, they didn't really act. All they did was they do their stunts. So they're thrown into their makeup, and then they jump off a cliff, or drive a car over, turn a car over, whatever, whatever it would do. I mean, they're incredible guys. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm, I don't know if they've got nerves of steel or they're completely stupid, but I, have I certainly wouldn't do anything of that. But the difference between them, they never acted the part. They just would put the, as I say, in the makeup, the costume, flip over cut and then of course those little bits are edited together to make it you know look believable whereas with me I had to actually like I've said before you know the people the public I had to be the face of the doctor I had to be the face now you know today we all know conventions they're 10 a penny you know there's always something happening somewhere along the line and the guests are invited and brilliant you know it's lovely. But in those days, there really wasn't that sort of thing about. And although Tom, for example, you know, he might be walking through the streets of London, going to the pub or going home or whatever, and somebody might accost him and ask him for his autograph, which, you know, happens to anyone, anyone outside of that London, let's say, you know, would never, never really get to meet the the actors like that. It, it, It just didn't really ever happen and so this was partly one of the reasons behind bbc enterprises is was to bring the the especially with doctor who to bring it out of the screen and to bring it into the public domain where people could come and meet and you know even just as if you just take the simple fact of i'm i'm there in the current costume so the last episode we saw of doctor who i'm in a match and matching costume so i had you know the same the same costumes as he he did, you know I mean I even had the red one you know, for later on, and all, all of that, you know so it was so in a way, I'm like a walking talking exhibit, if you will, but I had to be I had to be him, or I had to be the doctor. I had to sound like him, I had to look like him, but more importantly, I had to know everything. About the franchise. I had to know about Doctor Who. Now, Tom, he could, if you asked him a question about a story that he'd filmed a few weeks ago, of course he could remember it and he could answer you. But Tom didn't know anything about episodes of John Pertwee, for example, and you know, what happened in a particular episode. And I had to know all of that stuff. So that when I was asked, you know, I could say, well, yes, of course. Well, yes, you're quite right. I do remember Alpha Century. I was in in my former life, of course, but I remember, and I remember Agador. What was, what, what was the, what was the, what was the, what was the hypnotic thing? So I had to be able to do that stuff because especially, At that period, there were a lot of people that grew up with Tom Baker. Sorry, with John, and then obviously transferred across to Tom Baker. So you know, for them, Doctor Who was two people, and so I had to know all of this stuff. But then, as I said, things started to grow, and then I started being taken from one thing to another. Because normally, it would be a question of nip on the train. You know, you got your you got your costume in the suitcase, and you go to this place or that place. Then they said, "I've got an idea." And I said, what? And they said, we're not going to send you on the train anymore. I said, no, they said, no, you're going to go in Bessie. So I get a driver. Yep. I get a driver to drive me everywhere in Bessie. You see, no, I I didn't drive in those days. And we used to go to lots of events and things. And we went, to, we went to this, well, we used to go to a lot of these, but every time we went to say, a, you know, I dunno, a, a school say, say for example, a school and they've got a, a field. And Bess- and then the driver would take people around having a little ride in Bessie. And the guy obviously became a friend of mine. And he said, right, when we weren't busy, he said, right, get in the driving seat and I'll teach you. He said, and he taught me to drive. So I literally learned to drive in Bessie, you know, the real Bessie I learned to drive in, which was fantastic. But the only thing is when you come to drive a normal car, it's not, it's a bit more complicated than Bessie because it's not that difficult. It's quite a straightforward thing. And we had a, we had a story. We were going, we went to do one of these events at a place quite a distance away. And there was lots of other things going on. And there was a, there was a mobile disco, I think is probably the best thing to describe this, This, these, these four chaps or whatever. And they're running this disco thing. And we got chatting with them at the events, you know, as, as you do. And anyway, they were heading back after this event in the same direction as we were down the motorway in America. You call that the freeway. We call it the motorway here and so they said but we'll be miles ahead of you you ain't going to get anywhere in that old crock you know meaning bessie <laughs> and the guy dave that was his name dave that used to drive bessie and he was used to drive bessie dressed in a, in a unit 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 uniform you know as brilliant and uh so we then sort of set off down this motorway and i he's driving i'm sat next to him in the front still we're still full in costume and uh this 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 van or whatever with these guys this mobile disco come hearing past you know and they're all jeering out the window you know sticking up two fingers blah, you know and all this dave said i'll show him put the put bessie into top gear and bam and we just shot past him in an instant And the reason for that, and I'm sure many of you know, is that Bessie was really what they call a kit car. The actual body, the chassis, sorry, the chassis and the engine were from an old Ford popular. In fact, later, the engine was changed into a, a Ford Escort. That's why you suddenly see the elongated bonnet. You know, with John Pertwee, it was quite short, but, but then it's longer in, in later on, especially on when Tom had it. It's because they put a Ford Escort engine into it instead, and it had a lot more power. And we had it in that period when it had the, with that, with the new engine. And because it was only made of fiberglass, the body was made of fiberglass. it was so light, very very light for a car. so you know you only had to just put your foot on the throttle a little bit and the and the car would just wham you know brilliant you know, and that was great because it we we it it gave these guys a, a bit of a shock to see this old car suddenly whizzing past at about eighty miles an hour. Yes, Ramona, yes, we've uh, all
1: right, we've touched on some of the good times. Um now uh with your permission we could uh, touch on some of the bad times or maybe just one of the projects that you started a couple mm. of years ago, but you put on the back burner.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there have been. I I mean the thing is I think we've got to say, I mean, I'll just say this quickly. I mean, I then went on and I did a lot of stuff back, backstage as well and uh, it wasn't just about being out there being driven around in Bessie just as as Tom Baker I mean in later years I then started being I was actually I was actually in several films and television programs not Doctor Who but as as Tom Baker's doctor there's one called in England called Kingdom. I don't know if you get it in in across there in America, but it's. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Stephen Fry. It's with him, and so I am in, in 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 that, and I did another one, very weird, very weird film called Piss Boy. Funnily enough, and I I'm, I'm the doctor in that, and of course there's a lot of crossover. You know, there's a lot of crossover. So, you know, you you might be working with an actor on on one project, and then you know you're working with that same Actor on another project, but you know you don't know that. So the other things, and talking about sort of, if we'd like to call it, I don't. I call it probably the more, the more. I won't even say darker side. I would say probably more of the serious aspect of 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 of, of what I did because I get this not so much now, but I have had. You know, people want to try and wheedle out of me, and I tell you who's good at this: the press. They try to wheedle out of you the the dirt, you know. What was he really like? You know? Is he really a drunken old so-and-so, you know? Well, you've got to remember, people are not are not two-dimensional. Everybody, you know? You could have your best friend, and you'd one day your best friend might snap at you. you, What why did you snap at me like that? I'm sorry, mate, I'm having a bad day, you know? I'm having a bad day. Now I'd like to, if I may, just give you a few examples about the relationship with me and Tom to demonstrate that. There was a time, again, early on, and he came in and he was in a bit of a strop and he was a bit short with me. And he was snapping. <laughs> See? So, of course, in those moments, just keep out of the way. <laughs> and i didn't really take it seriously because you know at the end of the day people do have bad days and that's the end of it but in the contrast in the contrast when i when he finished when tom baker finished doctor who and he went to i can't remember if it was the first thing he did after leaving doctor who but certainly it was pretty near he he did he played uh, long john silver in treasure island in a theater in london which i went to see and, and I was doing other things then, you know, and I, I went to see him backstage and he was so warm and welcoming to me, you know, and he said, Oh, Ian, it's lovely to see you. He said, It's lovely to see you doing other things as well. He said, It's really great. You know, and it was so, genuine you know it was so genuine and that really demonstrated that what i think sometimes people don't necessarily unless you actually know this business sometimes it can be bloody stressful it really can you know you're pulling your bloody hair out over certain things and of course you get you know you get sucked in, in into that situation yes ramona yeah i saw
1: i saw a taste of it with your uh dialogue between Certain factions over the one film that you were attempting mm. to do and a lot of people yeah. gave you flack for it and yeah. that was the letter
0: that's right the letter now the the letter the letter the idea for the letter film was to basically I think the letter was a lot more to do with my viewpoint on a on the situation rather than trying to do a film about Tom Baker, although I was going to play Tom in this film. But the idea was it was a positive story because, you know, we know there's lots of people who have lots of issues. Lots of people have different mental issues as, as across the world. And I wanted to make something that made a positivity. And the idea of, again, this is where the similarity lies, again, with with with, with my, my story is, I, you know, I told you about how I was – chatting to Tom Baker's publicity agent. And suddenly I'm in the press and suddenly I'm then working for BBC enterprises. I'm the doctor. I was just a doctor who fan. And suddenly I am the doctor, you know? Wow. What a, what a thing. And it's the same with Tom because he, you know, he, as we all know, he was out of work, working on a building site. He sends a letter into Sutton, I can't remember his name, Sean Sutton. Was it? I can't remember. Funny enough. I actually worked with his son some years later, anyway. I'm going off the point there. And, and then of course he sends this letter of, of just off spec because he's got nothing, he's not working and all this. And, and of course it just, it just happened to hit that right moment. And then one thing led to another, which of course led to him getting the part. And so my point was, you know, don't ever despair because of your situation. You never quite know what's round the corner. You know, don't ever give up hope because you never know what's round that next corner. Now that was the idea. That was where why we, I decided to, wanted to call it the letter, because the letter was something that gave somebody who was in a bad place an opportunity. And that for me was what it was all about. And then, of course, we would then put the story through. The 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 actual storyline was going to be that it was Tom reminiscing. He's sitting in the car, being taken to Cardiff to recall the 50th anniversary where he plays the creator that was it he's sitting in the back of this car going to bbc in wales to film this curator part for the 50th anniversary special and as he's driving along you know he's going back into he's thinking about oh i'm going back to to dr who again after all these years and so that would trigger memories of his past and so then we would have things example things that would happen basically exploring his memories and also one of the things you know i did get a lot of flack i got actually got it was there was not there was a lot of flack but there was one or two that were really quite nasty hacking the facebook account and 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 being very insulting the fact is we all know that tom did does suffer with depression and and again i wanted to use to highlight that to say look however dark the the hour might be the sun will always rise at the end of the day so in the context you would see the young tom baker when he was out of work really going through a mental aberration and then of course that's where he write that he wrote the letter you know and he, and then sent it off and 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 to be fair i not so much now but i used to also have I used to suffer with depression a lot in my younger days, so I was I was fully aware and sympathetic about how horrible that that situation was, and so really and truly, as I said, the letter was going was the idea was to be a, a a positive thing, a positive message to say here's somebody you all know. But there are things within this story that we're all familiar with. We're all familiar with those periods when we haven't got anything and we're at a low ebb, or we may suffer with mental problems too. And it's a real nightmare. But there is a way forward and you can get out of this. And this is through this person. This is what happened to this person. If it can happen to this person, it can equally happen to you. And I think a lot of people took that out of the context and picked up on just simple. How dare you say that Tom Baker suffered with depression? Well, and, and they took umbrage because they felt it was putting. And the thing is, and again, this is something that happens a lot in, in our industry is that you see a character that you like in a film or television program, or you get become a bit of a fan of and then they base something this is not all not all but there are some people that then think that that person that they see on the screen that character is that person and it is special to them and nothing can ever go to change that even even if the actor playing that character stood up one day and said well actually i'm not really like that they would not be able to take that and they would be you know and it's a bit it's a bit scary it's a bit scary you know on the whole fans of doctor who or other fans of of of, of uh, franchises that I've been associated with have been wonderful. Yeah, it's great. It's great fun. Everybody appreciates it, what it is. But you just get that one or two that are, I think, sometimes a little bit on the edge, you know. And you know, it's 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 a shame. And and to be honest with you, with the with the, with the letter film, it got to the point where I just thought, and I want to be honest, I wasn't going through a very good time myself at that time either. And I said, look, I, I don't think I can do with all this. I don't think I can, I can, I can do with this. I did. I said, I'm going to just shelve it now, now. And I'm going to be totally honest with everybody because having been invited to come and speak to you today, I, I've, I've had in my mind some, for some while now to take my life stories around Doctor Who and turn them into a little show, a little play thing. Yeah. And we are now thinking about really, really gonna go with that. And we will also incorporate that, some of that idea that the letter had. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make the letter film. I'm I'm not gonna do it now because time has moved on. It's not it's it's not right, it's a different era, things are different. But I'm gonna bring in that positive note about the letter and the opportunities. I'm gonna bring all that because a lot of that applies to me as well, you know? Question. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Let's see. Would you like to share some of what you are currently working on besides after Doctor Who? Mm. Your Panto oh. podcast. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Well, uh, the thing is, right? The thing is, I. I not only am an actor now. Well, now I always have been an actor. I've been an actor since I was about ten, I think. Anyway, <laughs> no. the 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 thing is, in in recent years, or oh, about I don't know, ten years ago, I think something like that. My my wife Annie and I we decided to set up our own theatre company so that we could produce plays, you know, for things that we wanted to perform. <laughs> really. I suppose i all I had done this throughout my career, occasionally gone in and directed a, a show for a company or whatever. And so we set up AMA theater. And and within that, the great thing is, again, it's this passion that I've got, which I I strongly believe came through through my time being Doctor Who in the public eye. In as much as that, I wanted to, I want, I, I was lucky and I'd been given an opportunity where I had enormous fun and I got paid for it. You know, imagine, you know, you You. you are the Time Lord, you are the Doctor. I'm actually in the TARDIS, I'm at the console, you know, we had all these sets built, that the, the TARDIS was there people would come and see me working the control console and then then the the time rotor going up and down and oh so many things like that we never know i won't go on to it now but we had an adventure where we used to get people come into the tardis we would take off and when we tell them that they've landed in an alternative reality so that when they stepped out the police box again there's aliens everywhere daleks running around cybermen all sorts of you know it just created this this wonderful world that people especially younger people could really get involved with and that's what we wanted to do with ama and so we've done a lot of things but the one thing that i will say and i'm going to quote william hartnell william hartnell said if he lived to be 90 a little of the magic of doctor who would stay with him and that is true with me there is that grain of element about doctor who so yes to answer your question we have gone on and i do read christmas time in england we have a tradition called pantomime it's really i know sometimes people can't, can't quite get their head around what pantomime is well i'll put it simply for you it is where every christmas everybody lets their hair down and relaxes and it's basically the theatrical equivalent of everybody saying let's do it all different it, all through the year we play you know all the all the all the women play the females and all the men play the males and it's all can be quite serious or taken the pantomime turns it on its head and we say let's just have some fun so you take a simple story like a nursery rhyme story or a, a fairy story a Laddie, or jack and the beanstalk and you then swap all the parts over so all the boys are played by girls and all the all the women are played by men but when, say, for example, when I'm playing, we call it the dame, playing the woman, the the mother of Jack or the mother of Aladdin, it isn't me trying to be a woman. It has got to be so much. It is a man dressed up as a woman, but it's just, and and, and the, the fun of it is the fact that, you know, oh, God, he's opus, isn't he? He, can't, he could never be a woman in a million years. That's the joke of it, you see. This is the fun. It's It's, it's a bit like a clown in a way. So we've done a lot of that. We take a lot of those sort of pantomimes out and about because we also tour, not just as as the, with the actors, and the, we also tour the actual theatre. So we can go to a space and build a theatre into that. Especially when there's people that live in remote areas, we can go if they've got a a community hall or something. We go in, turn it into a theatre completely: curtains, blacks, the sceneries, all 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 the all the lighting, the sound, everything. Put it all in. So that's panto. But, and I know you, the, you said the word there, and I'm going to come on and talk about the pirates, because the pirates is, now this, this is where there is a connection with Doctor Who. Now, in as much as people might say, well, what the hell has Doctor Who going to do with pirates? And I know there's been the old Doctor Who story that's involved pirates, but this is it. Goes back to lockdown. Everybody, we're all locked down. We can't go out. We can't do anything. Annie and I decided, why don't we set up a, a theatre in our living room at home? So we built a stage. We put scenery in a different place. And we did it through Zoom, like, like we're talking to you now. But we had it through a broadcasting, a professional broadcasting setup as well. So we could have different cameras, you know, cut from one to the other live. We did these shows live, which was great because we could interact with the audience as well. And we had this idea, what do we do? Let's make, this wasn't a live one. This was one we did as a recorded one. And we thought, what can we do? We want to make something that's got a feel good factor about it for when we finally do come out of lockdown. You know, we're all going to be able to live again. And it was that phrase, live again. So we thought, here, why don't we bring back some pirates from 300 years ago and bring them back tonight? They're going to live again you see so we made this piece and it was a bit of a you know a bit of a comedy bit of a send-up of pirates of the caribbean in a way and 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 such like that but then it got us thinking and then we thought well when you know we would like to turn this into a proper stage play that we can then take out to to theaters and we did some more research onto the actual pirates because they're real pirates and bonnie john rackham mary reed and the the one mctavish he's fictitious he's based on several people but it was basically we just needed to have that fourth character so we could for for the dynamics of the script if you will and basically the story is not about pirates what's it about then Ian? well uh, what it is it's about these four people and the beginning and in the book because i've written the book as well the book's out now as well just get that in there. The book is out there as well. And what happens at the very beginning, what it's about, think about where we're at at the moment you know the state of the world with with wars going on and 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 then we had the we had the the the, the pandemic and all of that and there's been a shift you know and, and people once one group of people are blaming another group of people for the problems and 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 and, and everybody's becoming sort of bitter and 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 and, and having a go at each other and, and and it's just oh, you know i think okay it's terrible the things that are happening but we've got to find some positive in here somewhere because otherwise we're all just going to fall into a heap of just negativity and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse a never decreasing circle as it were so we decided if we bring these pirates back and what we did it comes it starts off this is very doctor who this is so you've got this storm at night at the sea and out of the storm at the mist this pirate ship suddenly emerges and on board are these these we call them ghouls, but they look like they look like uh, corp- decayed corpses, if you will. And they're sort of lumbering around on the deck and they're sort of finding their feet. And then suddenly in a, l- a thunder crash and a lightning flash, they suddenly grab hold of their skulls and they pull at them and the whole lot falls apart and the pirates are reborn. So it's a bit of, there is a regeneration theme in there. You see, they're very much a regeneration thing there, but they're born without their memories. They can't remember, apart from Anne they then the then so that for the first say half an hour of the the piece they then start to remember who they really were but not only do they remember who they were but they also remember who they were before they were pirates and we find out that they became pirates out of desperation not because they were really horrible nasty people it's because they had no other option you know they were privateers they were fighting for the crown against the spanish and then the crown told them to sod off because we've made peace now so many so many things which i won't bore you with now but they then explore and they then really relive their past and then because they're in our modern world they then start seeing what's going on around them in the first book because there's there's three novels the trilogy buccaneer's legend and this is resurrection the first and this is the, the first book which the play is based on and there's a scene where they go ashore And they meet some local people and they see some bits of stuff on television. And, and it's like the shock, you know, they say that they're, they're, they're fascinated by a car or an automobile, you know, without a horse pulling it, but at the same time, and they were so fascinated about the television, but they understand it because, you know, telegraph was invented, just invented in their time. So they did understand about electronic signals being whizzed across wires. So they understood the concept of television, but they thought it was fascinating. But what fascinated them more was the way the people were talking. And they actually say, yeah, my God, what's happening to these people? They're all dead. They're all dead behind the eyes. You know, in our day, we fought back. So we would become pirates to fight the corruption. You know, we would do this. People, we stand up for what we believe in but these people don't seem to be doing that and so they then become heroes for the populace in un, that they're not they're not even they don't you know you never see them so again a bit like doctor who if you will you know he's the he's that hero that's there in the shadows he's in the background you know he's not somebody you'll meet every day walking down the street he's in the background and he's fighting he's fighting the good fight against the evil okay that evil in doctor who might be alien but in the buccaneers or in resurrection the pirates The pirates are fighting the evil of the downturn of the human soul, and it is that that they're fighting. And and I'm not going to say any more because there is a reason. Who brought them back? Why were they brought back? And what really are they? Now none of that is answered until the last book, but it keeps you guessing all the way through. So, so that's yeah. So that's that's a big project that I'm um, working on uh, at the moment.
1: Okay. um, In closing. I'd like to uh, thank you, Ian Britton-Hall, for coming on the show today and sharing your stories with us. And it's been a pleasure.
0: It's been a pleasure. And I'm happy to come. I've got loads of stories. In fact, what I might try and do, I might try and do something on Facebook um, and put some pictures and stuff of my time as the doctor and with explanations and stuff like that in, you know, in the coming months and bits and pieces. So keep, keep, keep an eye out and uh, anything you need just...
2: There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far over land and sea. Sha One magic day, he passed.